the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Dr. David Anderson, senior pastor and founder of Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. And I'm so glad that you are tuned in now to our new special Saturday edition of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. You're going to hear conversations from recent talks where I've connected with radio listeners just like you to help them build bridges of reconciliation, race, religion, relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. It's Brandywine, Maryland. We're talking to Gigi, who's on the line. Hi, Gigi. Welcome to the show. Hi there, Dr. Anderson. How are you? Oh, I'm alive and grateful. Thanks for hanging out with me. What are you thinking? Okay, a quick question. Sure. I mean, I have like a thousand things I want to talk to you about all the time because <laughs> you always remind me of a good, good father or a good oh. uncle or a good brother to talk to. Uh, I appreciate you. I'm right here with you, my sister. How can I serve you best today? <laughs> okay, so I want to talk to you about the call. How do you know that you know that you are called? Mm. You know, I'm not going to hear, I know I'm not going to hear a voice from heaven like, Gisla, I want you to do this. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. How do you know? Well, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a great question. Someone asked, Lord, how do I know what's your voice? I listened to the to the thunder; it wasn't there, and you know, you, you listened to the wind; it wasn't there, and then it was in your still, sure. gentle whisper that I heard. That's what you know in the days of Elijah. So I would say setting ourselves sure. in a place where we can hear God's voice speaking to our spirit is an important posture of listening. I think another thing is reading mm-hmm. reading God's word and being in prayer. Uh, but, but you take all that yeah. into account. Let's say we're still doing all of that. How do I know God's call? Part of it is stepping out in faith with what your gifts are. And then lastly, right. it's feeling the confirmation of other people that says what you're doing was anointed. So I think all of those things right. kind of help somebody who doesn't have a clear call. Now, there's some people that have a clear call, a very specific call, like Paul. Paul had a clear call to go preach to the Gentiles, okay? So he had that that big, broad call. But how did he know where to go, whether it was Ephesus or whether it was Colossae or whether it was Alexandria? So those were very specific leadings of God's spirit. I want you now to go here on this missionary journey, or I want you to go there on that missionary journey, or don't go into that town because they're hostile. So those are everyday uh, sort of a GPS that God gives you by his spirit, all right, the global positioning spirit that God uses. But the general call for him was preaching to the Gentiles. So your general call is going to be, of course, to know God and to make him known and to share the gospel with others. But you're saying, Lord, how do I know where to go, what to do? Well, and again, all those other things I said, including stepping out on faith with regard to your gifts. Now, Gigi, let me ask you, do you know what what your spiritual gifts are? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I'm an exhorter for for sure. Now, my number one gift is exhorter. Okay. My my second and a friend of mine, my last, she's like, you know, you're a teacher, preacher. I was like, I think Mm -hmm. I'm exhorter and I'm almost... 
and, and servant, sure. you know, servant. Okay, that's great. That's what I like to do. That's great. So now you know what your gift, you know, your gifts are. So you're an encourager, you're an exhorter, you're a preacher, teacher, you're verbal, and you're putting out words yes. that encourage people and stimulate them to do what God wants them to do. Now that's great. So now the question becomes, Lord, where's my audience? Is my audience online? Is my audience in a church? Is my audience outside? Right. Uh, you know, where's my audience? Is my audience to children? Is my audience to adults, to seniors? Get in front of audiences, whether it's through writing exhortation, speaking exhortation, being on right. shows. Uh, you know, there's so many different ways for that gift to be manifest. Start manifesting it to mm -hmm. different audiences and see what God affirms. How's that sound? That sounds great. There Thank you, you go. so much. I really appreciate it. Blessings yeah. to you. Thank you so I, much, Gigi from Brandywine, Maryland. Yeah, thank you. Let me move to Woodbridge, Virginia, and talk to Tiffany, who's on the line. Hey, Tiffany, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hi, Dr. Anderson. I first want to commend you for your patience and your wisdom. <laughs> thank you. And I do agree. I do agree. That That is the sign of the beast. Fulfilled no, he, like he fulfilled it. He fulfilled the law, and he says, "I am the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of it." So you come in me, and you got that done. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, okay, but that's not my question. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Thank um, you for the support. My question is, uh, you My question is, okay, so I'm a little confused. So when we die, do we go to sleep and wait for judgment to go to heaven? So none of us really know, do we? <laughs> That's the first thing. I mean, the first thing is none of us really, really know. There is some confusion on it. But let me tell you what I believe based on the scriptures that I understand. All right. And I am finite in my understanding, but uh, I'm pretty clear on this one. And that is what the Apostle Paul said. And that is absence from the body means presence with the Lord. All right. So that much I know. So as soon as my spirit is absent from this body, my spirit is present with the Lord. Now, in the first century church, they often talked about death like sleep. All right. And so, uh, you know, that person went to sleep. All right. Now, they're not really sleep. They are dead. <laughs> okay. But that's how they, that was the language, that was the language that they used. So some people would then believe, all right, so then when you die, you basically stay in a dead sort of state. And then when Jesus comes back again, he will rise you again from that state. Here's, here's the good news. Now, I believe again, I believe again, absence from the body means presence from the Lord. So my spirit immediately goes to the Lord and I'm not there in a sleep state. I'm not just laying there until he comes back. But here's the good news. Even if I am, it doesn't matter because as soon as I open my eyes, I don't know how much time went by. So, you know, 
I'm in the presence of the Lord anyway, so it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, because if I died right now, let's just say I was asleep for a thousand years, I wouldn't know it. And so I open my eyes, I see Jesus. So either way, it doesn't matter because time loses its power once you're dead. Time and space is not, does not contain God or the spirit. And so once your spirit leaves your body, your body's in space. We are captured by time and we are captured by space. When you die, you're no longer captured by time. You're no longer captured by space. Your spirit is free. And so whether I'm asleep for a thousand years and I wake up and there's the Lord, or whether I immediately translate to the Lord, I believe the next thing you see when you open your eyes is the Lord. Now, do I believe your spirit actually goes to sleep? No, I don't. I believe your spirit stays alive. So even though your body sleeps, your spirit stays alive. And there are several passages that even talk about when you die, the angels take you. You know, several parables that the Lord would give and talk about, you know, when you uh, the angels taking you from this place to that place. And so there's definitely some kind of transition that's going on. But there's really no particular passage that talks about the, the spirit ever going out of consciousness or the spirit ever going out of sleep. You know what I'm saying? So even think about it like this. Even the, 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 the uh, criminal that was on the cross, when Jesus said to him today, you will be with me in paradise. Think about that. That day was was Friday. So if he was killed, if he was killed that day, how could he still be in the presence? Today you will be with me in paradise, unless there was some spiritual transition that took place. That's so true. God, it's so wonderful. So, oh, my anyway. goodness. <laughs> hey, um, listen. It's a little minute thing that yeah. if you don't pay attention, right? you know, you just read that. It's like, oh, okay, so he'll get up with it. But then you say, he yeah. said today. Today? That's a big, that's Shoot. A big thing. I can't wait yes. for my, listen, Tiffany, I can't wait for my today. Okay, I got to roll. I'll be back. It's real talk. When asked the question raised by her professor, why are you here at Omega Graduate School? Sebla Digluhailu answered in one of her essays like this, I was not there just to add a prefix to my name, though that would feel good. The greater purpose of my preparation at OGS is to fulfill my mandate to be a change agent. The doctoral study is a time of preparation for me to see and to think, to understand the times and to craft my way in fulfilling my calling. Sebla Digluhailu, a current Doctor of Philosophy student from Ethiopia, is a counselor and adjunct psychology professor who hosts a weekly radio show in the capital city of Ethiopia and is an advocate for empowering women and children. What is your profession, and how can OGS help you grow to the next level in your graduate education? Dr. David Anderson is the new chancellor of Omega Graduate School, formerly known as Oxford Graduate School, and your education as a working adult is important to him, to God, and to all who will be changed in the world because of your important research. Go to ogs.edu today and apply, or call 1-800-933-6188. I've got Anonymous on the line from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I, um, so I have a quick question. Yes, ma'am. Do you think that uh, too much sex can uh, suffocate the marriage? And, and I'm asking this question because the word or the term suffocation can be relative, depending uh-huh. on who is doing the suffocating and who is receiving the suffocation and what is the object of the suffocation. So, so in this case, it's that. Well, you know, you can ask the question to your spouse, is is there too much sex and do you feel suffocated? 
if he says no, then and and you don't feel like you're being suffocated by it, then no. Uh, for some couples, uh, a lot of sex is is good. For other couples, they're more modulated in how often and how intense it is. It really depends on the personality and the needs of the couple. Oftentimes, you do have one part of the couple that needs it more uh, than the other part of the couple. And so, you know, trying to find that healthy balance is is always uh, an art. It's not a science. How do you feel in the relationship with your spouse? Do you feel like you're being suffocated at all? Well, when the area of sex, if I want it less and he wants it more, uh-huh. and I feel suffocated and he uh-huh. doesn't feel like I'm giving it enough, right. then where do you draw the line? And so that's why it is relative yeah. to me. Suffocating to him is not. Yeah. So where do you draw the line? Well, and that's very typical where the man may want it more uh, than the woman. Uh, again, sometimes you have the reverse case, but it's very typical that a married woman uh, wants it less. What's interesting, an unmarried woman in a relationship, if they're uh, uh, active and even if they're not active, will oftentimes desire it more. Uh, but once uh, the, the couple gets married, uh, over a short period of time, it feels like uh, the woman is satisfied with a lesser amount of it, uh, where the guy is just more driven uh, for it. So then how do you find that balance? It, it does put you in an interesting situation, Anonymous, because you're in the driver's seat. He needs more, so he's hungry, all right? And you have what he needs, and he can only eat at your restaurant. And so <laughs> you have this power over him and you've got to decide how you're going to use that power so think about it like having food and he's hungry uh you know he'd like to be overstuffed at every meal but you know you're you're saying i can't do that and it's not healthy necessarily for you or him but make sure you're not starving him where he's eating you know once every four or five days because you think about it like food Uh, What would it be like if you were hungry, 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 and you knew that the only person could feed you is your husband, and he can kind of choose whether he wants to feed you on Friday or not feed you on Friday. No, he doesn't feel like feeding you on Friday. And so he'll think, well, maybe I'll feed you on Sunday. Well, in the meantime, you have hunger pains. Your stomach is hurting. uh, And now your hunger is subject to your husband's feelings of, well, Sunday comes, no, I really don't feel like giving any food, maybe tomorrow morning. And and so if you think of it like that uh, and think of a man's sex drive like an appetite, uh, that may actually cause you to be a little bit more gracious in how you, quote, unquote, feed your husband. And and you can't blame then. I mean, you can blame, but it's hard to blame somebody who's very, very hungry uh, for eating at the hands of another when the only person that can feed them refuses to feed them or just kind of decides, no, nah, I don't feel like feeding you today. After a while, uh, it, it's hard for that person not to eat at the hands of another uh, feeder, if you know what I'm saying. Are you with me?
I'm not sure if that is true. I think uh, the the 20s <laughs> um, are are a high a high drive for uh, men. I do think the 40s and 50s can be. What's interesting is a woman's peak is often around the late 30s and early 40s, when a man's peak was higher earlier, and then it kind of goes down for a while. Her peak goes up. And so when she's between like 37 and, and 42, she's off the chain, off the charts with her peak oftentimes. Uh, the, the guy modulates because of his, uh, you got age issues, prostate issues, health issues. And so when you get around between 45 and 55, it now depends on the guy. For some guys, their drive goes right up. Uh, for other guys, it's starting to go down. So it's going to depend more more on the guy. But if you can think about, you know, instead of I feel suffocated because this guy keeps coming to me, uh, who is your husband, I want you to think about it again as a human appetite that he has. And you're telling him, look, now I'm the only refrigerator. I'm the only stove. I'm the only microwave. And I'm the only food that you're allowed to touch, look into, open and eat. And I've got a lock on it. Think about it like that. And, and I think what it'll help you not think of, oh, my gosh, he's suffocating me, he's suffocating me. Think of yourself as, wow, I get, I get to feed him, I get to please him. Now, again, you don't want him to be greedy, but you don't want him to be starved. And I think if you can find the balance between that, it, it'll help you mentally because you might just think, man, he just has this high sex drive and he just needs to get off me. That will make you feel suffocated. All right. But if you change your thinking on, no, it's not about it's not about he just wants it. He just wants it. It's like he needs it. And then I'm expecting that I'm going to be the only one to give it to him. Now, if you're not expecting to be the only one to give it to him, then you have a right to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that you're hungry. Go find it somewhere else. I'll I'll cook you a meal tomorrow. Do you know what I'm saying? All right. 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 Thank you so much. All right. Is that helpful to you? Yeah, very helpful. I mean, you you actually said more than I expected, but that is definitely helpful. There you go. Well, listen, God bless you, Anonymous in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Thanks for calling. I'm so glad that you did. Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his brand new public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. It's another great way for you to connect and follow the good doc. So let's go to Rockville, Maryland, and talk to Anonymous there. Hi, Anonymous in Rockville. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for hanging with me. What are you thinking? So I'm in my car, and I have smiles all over my face. I just started my car to go back home. (laughs) Um, I usually don't have time to listen um, because of work. I'm glad you're listening. The last caller's um, information just kind of touch on mine, and I'm just smiling. Okay. So I'm in the same situation where I feel like I'm being suffocated, but your suggestion to her is so fabulous. Like, instead of thinking the sex drive is too high and he's bothering me and all that, which is what I do, I get angry when he's coming right. towards me. I'm just going to look at it like, oh, he's hungry. Exactly. This is special food to give to him. It's the I truth. I mean, it's so amazing how this is making me feel right now. I love it. And if I had looked at it like that, I would have been more nicer. Oh, thank you so much. That's I'm, awesome. I'm so glad to hear that because really it's just 
it's a change of a mindset. And if, and if that one conversation uh, changes your mindset, you're going to make your husband so happy. And you're so, you're so valuable. And think about it. You're the only one who can meet his need. And, and now you're going to want to meet it. You're going to want to meet his need now as opposed to feel like you have to meet it. Well, you know what? You have a very special role in his life. So, uh, you know, you need to, when he comes home, say, honey, here I am. Lay hands on me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks for calling this Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I'm moving on. Let's go to Baltimore, Maryland, and talk to Anonymous there. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. How are you? How are you, Dr. Anderson? Thanks for hanging with me. I'm alive and grateful, my friend. Yes, my wife and I, we both are believers. Um, there was infidelity um, on my part uh, in our marriage. Okay. Uh, I brought it to uh, my wife's attention. Okay. Um, we separated. Uh, we remained separated for six years, but cohabitating um, and trying to function as a family. Hmm. Uh, we both, uh, I thought we both believed in family. Okay. Uh, we have four, four, four adult children. Okay. Um, she feels like uh, she's changed her mind and don't want to reconcile after reconciling. What is considered mm-hmm. reconciling um, in, a, in a marital relationship? Well, I mean, reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things. So I can forgive you but not reconcile with you. Reconciliation means two people come together and they actually agree that they're going to uh, forgive each other and then walk together in a new direction. And so if you two came back together and said, we want to remain married, we want to meet each other's needs, we want to be a couple again, even though, uh, you know, I know you messed up, honey, but I forgive you, and let's get the counseling, let's do what we're supposed to do, we're on a journey to be back together, that is reconciliation. If you are saying we've been separated for a few years, but we still cohabitate, you know, you can kind of be emotionally separated in the same house, live in different parts of the house. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you're reconciled. Makes sense. Okay. Now we didn't live in the same house. Oh, okay. Because of the setup. Uh-huh. Because of the setup, we didn't live in the same house. Uh-huh. We both made the commitment that divorce was off the table. So y'all were trying to rebuild over yeah. those years? Yes, I see. So now, yes. So y'all were like, uh, y'all were like dating, even though you were married. You're like dating, trying to get the marriage back on track. Is that what I'm hearing, anonymous? Um, I I considered it reconciling, and the and the court system considered it reconciling. But y'all weren't living together. Church. So if so, you're saying if if you don't live together. You haven't reconciled? Well, that's what it sounds like. Again, I don't have all the information. I'm just kind of going with what you're telling me. There probably is more to the story. But if you're saying we were married, uh, you know, I, I committed infidelity. Now we live in two separate locations, but we're reconciling. That doesn't sound like you've been reconciled. It sounds like you may be on your path toward it. Uh, it sounds like you're friendly. It sounds like you're trying to work it out. But it doesn't sound like you're reconciled. But again, I don't. I don't know. What does she say? Does she say you reconciled? Do you say you reconciled? Well, initially, yes, we said we. Initially, we said that. Uh huh. Okay. Now she has a change of heart. Got it. Now she has a change of heart. I see. And she says, "Well, since we have 
we're not reconciled because hmm. we're not in the same house. So yeah, we haven't reconciled. So that, I'm, I'm going to move forward with the divorce. Yeah, that that seems kind of that seems kind of tough. Uh, it seems like you almost need to sit down with a with a counselor or a pastor to really talk this one out. Because to me, it seems like a mix between uh, some legalese and then some emotion, and then probably some for- forgiveness issues that may not have really happened. Or if she wants to get a divorce now, why? Did something break down in your recovery? Is she with somebody else? Does she have some other information? I don't know. I think that's uh, the, the best thing to do would be to sit down with somebody that could arbitrate it and truly look at the details of it. Hey, listen, I got to run to this break. I hope I help. This is Rich Becker, producer of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. The radio ministry of Real Talk with Dr. Anderson is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. If this nonprofit ministry is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider partnering with us? With an ongoing monthly gift of $30 or more, you'll become a Real Talk partner. As a way of saying thank you, we would love to send you a signed copy of Dr. Anderson's book, Gracism. Thank you for making this important ministry possible. We can't do it without you. Visit andersonspeaks.com and simply click the donate button to support Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That's andersonspeaks.com. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland for one of our three identical Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon. Or join us online at www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m. weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.